It's great to see you this morning. Thank you for being here. I hope you had a great week. And if you didn't, I'm glad you're in God's house. You need some encouragement today. So you're in the right place either way, whether it was a good week or a bad week. Now, today we're starting a completely new series. We're talking about eight things in which God uses to grow your faith. Now, it doesn't matter if you've grown up in a Christian home, you'll find these eight things in your life. It doesn't matter if you didn't grow up in a Christian home and maybe you're just coming back to a round church. Maybe you're still trying to figure out if you like this whole church thing and you're trying to figure out what God is doing. You will find that God will use these eight things in your life. Now, if some of these are not active in your life, then you will also find that your faith isn't fully growing like it should be. And so what we're going to be doing is this, is each week we're going to be talking about one of the eight things in which God uses to grow your faith. And so I'm going to challenge you that um, you'd be here, you'd hear it. If you're not able to be here on a weekend, then I would encourage you to check out the the podcast on the internet and you'll be able to catch up with uh, the latest um, messages. So that way you can stay on track. We want to help you grow in your faith this year. We want your faith journey to be what God has called it to be. Now, today, as we talk about your faith, We talk about my faith. As we talk about things that God uses, here's one of the things that we're gonna talk about today is friendships. God uses friendships to grow your faith. Now, here's what's very different about American Christianity. American Christianity, we have bought into the whole individual mentality. And so when you start talking about spiritual life and your spiritual life, we tend to think that it is a private matter. What I believe, what I think, what I do how I practice my religion should be private and should be kept in the private and it should never cross into the public domain. And even in church, we consider our spiritual walk, what we're doing with God to be something more private. We bought into this individual mentality. Now, Americans, we like the super individual. I mean, it goes all the way even to marketing cigarettes, the Marlboro man, the tough, rugged man, Maybe it's John Wayne for you. Yes, the one lone cowboy who can step in and he can blow everybody up and he's just tough. Or maybe it's for you, Rambo. Anybody date back there? Okay, so maybe if it's not Rambo, then you move all the way up to Jack Bauer in 24. Oh yeah? All right, so I don't know who that rugged individual it is. It could be Batman, Spider-Man, Hulk Hogan. Wait, did I say Hulk Hogan? You don't want Hulk Hogan. He's not a, yeah, anyway. So... You understand what I'm saying? Even in team sports, team sports, what do we do? Do we elevate the team? No, we elevate the MVP, the lone individual. So the lone individual on a team is the one who actually gets all the glory or he actually is, gets all the failure, right? Tim Tebow getting, I saw Ryan Black's post this morning, Tim Tebow getting all the credit for losing the game last night, although the defense actually might've had something to do with all those points being scored. It's a rugged individual we we promote and we trump. So when it comes to our spiritual life, we still keep that same American mentality that really what happens in my own spiritual life, I don't need to include anybody else. Now, for some of you, that might sound a little awkward because your personality is you love people. You're energized by people. I'm sure there's some of you in here. When you get around people, your excitement level goes up and man, you just can't wait. So when you think about even your week schedule, if you don't have time to eat out with friends, if you don't have time to actually get with other people, then you're looking at your week and going, this is a bad week. For some of you, your personality is, you don't care if you see anybody all week and you're okay with that. 
You're, you're really actually, you do better. People drain you. And so you get tired of people. And so you're going, I don't know if I can really be around people. So when we talk about friends, this is going to be very different. How that God uses divinely appointed friendships, how God uses the biblical community to actually grow us. Now, as we start, I'm going to ask that you turn over to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two is the beginning of the church. It's one of those times in which we look at Acts chapter two and it's just kind of one of, we see all and we're just inspired and we're going, wow, God really did that? God really showed up like that? If you were to talk to an early Christian and you said, I'm gonna go to church, they would be going, what? You're gonna go to church? Yeah, we're gonna go to church. And they're going, we don't go to church, we are the church. There's something different about how they approach life versus how we approach life. When we talk about, Church, many times the way we put it in our life today is I did that, I went, I gathered with people and I did it quickly and it's a check. I did the church time, I'm good and that's all that happens. Now, today in Acts chapter two, you're gonna see something very different. You're gonna see a group of people who actually lived in biblical community, who actually lived differently than many of us try today. So Acts chapter two, you have your Bibles. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Acts chapter two, I'm gonna drop all the way down to verse 41. Peter does an incredible thing here. Peter gives a message. This is the day of Pentecost. And verse 41 says this. So those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about how many? What what a fun day. This is the first Billy Graham crusade, but this wasn't Billy Graham, this was Peter. All right, so Peter had an incredible, all of a sudden people are saying, yes, I need to repent. Yes, I need to get right. They're coming down and they're, they're accepting Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. It's a personal matter. It's not something that they just, ah, maybe I'll be a part of a church. They're not signing up for church. They're just saying, I need Jesus in my life. Jesus, salvation, they are immediately baptized, 3,000 people. And then, you ready for this? Watch this. You won't see the word, and then they did church. You're just going to see something happen. They're just going to start living, but they're going to live differently. Watch what happens. Verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together together had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day and I thank you for your blessings. I thank you for your love and your goodness. And God, now, as we look into your word, I pray that you would speak to our lives, into our lives. God, I pray that the songs that we sang just a minute ago were pleasing sound to your ear. And I pray that it was truly received as worship. And God, now, I ask for freedom for your Holy Spirit to move and work, to prick lives, to move us into action, to be different than when we came in. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So here's what I'm going to do. Basically divided the message into two parts. The first part today is just going to make sure we lay the groundwork for why you and I need community. 
Just making sure you understand that there is a need. And then after I make sure I lay the foundation and the groundwork for the reasons why you and I, nobody excluded, need community, what I'm going to do is then I'm going to give you a picture. I'm going to give you a new vision of what it looks like to live in community. That's when we'll go back to Acts 2 and we'll lay it out. Now, it has never been easier to have friends. Never. Join Facebook and you can have friends. Man, and it's a competition. Who can get the most friends? And if you get one, two, and then you get to 500 and you're going, yes, I am popular. This is awesome. You know, you, then some of you get, you know, you break the levels a thousand. It's nuts. And at, it, there's, there's never been an easier time to find out what a friend that you met 30 years ago is having as an appetizer at Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> you can do it. Facebook is the key. All right. So if you're not on, get on. Okay, now I'm just playing with you. Now, Facebook is one of those places. Now, even over in the Philippines, we went last year to the Philippines. I had, we were going into some schools and all these, these uh, middle schoolers were asking, are you on Facebook? Are you on Facebook? And, and yes. And so we talk, start talking. They're, they were crazy about their friends in, over in the Philippines. Matter of fact, some of these kids had 5,000 to 6,000 friends on Facebook and they never even knew half of them, but they were just excited because it was all about how many friends you had on Facebook. Now, if some of you are single, this is not for uh, you married people, but there's actually places online, if you haven't heard about this, where you can go and get a date. Have you heard about it? Now, you, if you need a date and you're just, you know, you really are needing a date, you can find that on the internet. It's never been easier to find friends. Matter of fact, we also understand what it means to be in community, don't we? If you graduated from Texas A&M, you know what it means to be in a community. Those guys are nuts. They're Aggies. That's just how it is. If, if you are a part of, a, uh, of the military, you understand. You are a part of an elite class and everybody else, civilians. Oh yeah, civilians. I mean, you're lower class, you're a civilian. So if you have been a part of community, you've been a part of groups. But here's what we want to do. We want to make sure you understand. We're not just talking about being a part of a new club. We're not wanting you to be a part of a country club. And that's not what it's designed to be. We're talking about biblical community and there's something very different about it. Does God ever talk about it? Does the Bible talk about it? Is there a need for it in your life? There is a need. And I'm going to show you a few things in the Bible. I'm going to give you four reasons why you need community, why I need community. First of all, God says you need it. Did you realize that? God says it's actually important for you. If you go all the way back to Genesis, God creates this incredible world. He creates a world with water, trees, mountains, flatlands. He creates this beautiful land. And then he goes about and he gets very creative and he creates animals. Some with stripes, some with spots, and then he, just for fun, puts eyelashes on an ostrich. Weird. He does all kinds of fun things. God creates all the animals, and then he creates man. He forms man, and he breathes into man the breath of life. It's incredible. Adam names all the animals. And then, after God says, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's very good. For man, he says, it's very good. And then he says something that's very strange. It's not good for man to be alone. Now, if you're married, men, you understand this. It's not good for you to be alone. You need a woman, right? It's just part of life. You need a woman. God made it to be that. But 
let's take it a deep a step further. It's not good that you're completely alone. You were never designed by God to be completely alone. You were designed to actually interact with, to connect at deeper levels. You were designed and God put it in at the very core of humanity that you need to connect to people. You need to connect to somebody else. It's not good that you're alone. Now, a few years ago, we lived in Decatur and uh, we lived out on some acreage. And, and so my kids were young. We were outside playing. I was playing baseball. We were throwing the ball back and forth. And my son, he was about two and a half. And he starts, dad, dad, come here. Well, I go up on the porch and he has found a mouse. So I'm going, sweet. I take my glove off and I, I kill the mouse. I'm thinking he's on the porch. I don't want the mouse in the house, right? Makes complete sense to me at the time. After I killed it, my son is just going, Aah! and then, and then the sisters come. Oh man, tears start flowing like the Niagara Falls, man. I'm telling you, it was just nuts. So now they're all, and then, and then somebody, Abby, goes in and tells mom. Oh yeah, so mom gets in the picture. So now we're out here. And so now we're all crying. And I mean, I'm the worst dad in the history of mankind. And so we're all here. I have to perform a funeral. Now, I know that's my job description, right? But this is a mouse. So I'm sitting here going, what am, and so we get a box, we have to decorate it. Not kidding. <laughs> we, we get this, we decorate the box and then we have a processional. I'm leading the processional like any good preacher does. You lead the processional and we walk out to the fence. I dig the hole, we're all sitting around I dig the hole, I put, we cover it back up, I put the little, we put a little cross, yes, a little gravestone over the, and then, then I have to say a few words. Now, not making this up, we even, I had to get a picture of this because this was such a crazy day. Why did we have to do that? Why was there such an incredible sense of loss? It was a mouse because you are designed not to be alone. You're designed to connect. You're designed to connect at the deepest levels. You're designed, that's why you love your dog so much, Fifi, <laughs> or your cat. You're designed to connect, and God has designed it to move beyond just the connection with animals and nature so that you actually connect with other humans because it's easy to connect with an animal. They don't talk back necessarily. Some of you think they do, the dog whisperer or somebody, but. <laughs> we just lost, we tanked right there on that one. All right, so, so let's just move to the next point. So God says it's not good for man to be alone. Next point. Let me show you over in, in Ecclesiastes, the, uh, the, most, the smartest man in the world, he actually says that there's strength in numbers. Ecclesiastes, Solomon is writing, he says, it's not good that one person walks by himself because if one person walks by himself and he's out for a stroll and he stumbles and he falls, then there's no one to help pick him up. But if two walk together and he stumbles, then what happens? There's somebody there to pick him up. He says, a one cord, a one rope, one thread, it's, it's easy to be broken. 
but two or three. Wow. There's power. There's strength. You ever watched animal channels? Have you ever seen lions attack? Who do they attack? Do they take the entire herd of antelope or deer or whatever they're hunting? No. What do they do? They find the one that's isolated and off to the side. Why? When he's off to the side, weak. And they can surround and they take the one little deer out. And you'll find over and over again in your your personal life, you're at your weakest when you're alone. And when you're alone, that is when Satan has the biggest heyday in your life. He is able to destroy your life over and over again. Why? Because you're alone. But when you actually bring other people in, you create strength for your walk so that you actually walk in faith. It's good. You and I need community because God says so because there's strength in numbers and also it gives you the ability to break sin. James chapter five. James chapter five talks to us about how that you can find healing. Now, I know you're Baptist. Be careful talking about healing in church, but watch. It says, if there's anybody sick in your midst, you're to call the elders, you're to call the church leaders. They're to come and they're to pray over you. And then he moves on. He says, confess your faults one to another and you will find what? Healing. It's in there. James chapter five. Confess your faults one to another and you will find healing. What this is talking about is moving beyond the physical into your inner soul. See, here's what happens. When you actually get into a community, when you get into a a group of people, of believers, where they're actually walking with you, you can begin to break the habits of sin that have plagued you for years and years and years. When you actually walk with somebody else, here's what they do. They're able to give you strength and say, hey, I'm struggling in this area. I've been struggling with pornography. Hey, I've been struggling with not knowing how to love my wife correctly. Hey, I have no idea how to actually parent my kids. They're becoming teenagers and my hair is turning gray. I don't know what to do. I need help. I'm struggling with this. I I don't even care for my wife anymore. I don't care for this. I hate people. And you start looking at what's going on and you, you understand you have bitterness and anger and there's guilt. And there's things in your life that have been hidden for years. And you've been wondering why You've been wondering why. Why is it, God, that year after year, I'm still struggling with the same sin? Year after year, I'm still struggling with the same pain. Why am I still so angry? Why am I still so bitter? Why do I carry such guilt? You don't want to know why? You want to know why you've never gotten over that sin? You want to know why? It's because you never learn to confess your faults to one another. And when you confess, then they now come alongside you and they say, we are going to break this. And now you have this accountability where week after week, somebody is walking with you and you're confessing saying, I blew it this week. I didn't blow it this week. Keep praying. And they're staying with you and they're walking. Some of you in this congregation have never, ever once experienced this. And so your faith has not grown in years. Confess your faults. You want to see your faith go to a new level? You get into a biblical community in which you're sharing and you'll begin to see bondage and sin break and fall off. Next, you need community because we all have blind spots. Blind spots. 
Blind spots by the very nature mean that you don't even realize you have them. You ever driven and you actually didn't see the car coming because they were in the blind spot? It's, you don't know it's there because it's a blind spot. And let's be honest, every person in here, everybody, myself included, we have blind spots. You have blind spots in your life and I have blind spots in my life. And here's what we need. We need divinely appointed friends. Friends that say this, I love you so much that I'm not gonna allow you to stay in this sin and to continue living this way. So I'm gonna tell you what you need to hear. And then I love you enough to walk with you on the journey. I love you enough to care and I'm gonna stay with you. As many times as you fall, I'm gonna pick you back up, but I am here because you are going to get over this blind spot. You are gonna walk through this and you're gonna get this right. Now, I've also had friends in my life or people who called themselves friends who came in and they, they just wanted to make sure they blasted you. Have you ever had that? They just blast you and tell you all the things you're doing wrong. And then whew, I feel better now. And then they walk out. Those people, you just want to punch in the face. Okay. Anger issues. Okay. But there's a difference when somebody actually says, I'm going to walk with you. And I love you enough and I'm gonna walk with you and I'm gonna show the blind spot and I'm gonna help you through it. You need them, I need them. Those are divinely appointed friends so that your faith goes to a new level. So maybe now you understand the need for it. Let me give you the picture, you ready? This part is the fun part. This is just a picture. If you and I say, okay, I hear it, I understand it, I need this and I'm gonna actually go after it. Here's what happens in your life. Look down in Acts chapter two. Go down to verse 44. Now let me just give you the picture of what it looks like. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Here's a picture. You automatically begin to share your life, to share your life. Hey, I have some things, I'll share it with you. You have a need, man, I'll, happy, I'll be happy to walk with you. I'll share my life with you. You share your life with me. And as we go through this life, we begin to share. I have something extra, you have a need, I'll just willing to give because now we're sharing. Here's what typically happens in church. Typically, we like to come to a gathering where there's a lot of people and, and depending on our personalities, we try to find churches in which we can maybe just get lost in. I just wanna sit in the side. I just wanna sit in the, I just wanna kind of get lost and you don't ever really wanna share your life. And when you don't share your life, here's what happens. Then when life happens and something negative happens in your life, then you're going, the church never cared. They never cared that I was gone because we all wanna know that we've been missed. We all want to know that our lives matter. But what happens is this. We don't actually put anything in to the church. So when something happens and we expect the church to show up, the church doesn't. And then we get mad and we say, I can't believe the church didn't show up. They don't care. But if, but if you actually begin to share your life with people and you begin to pour into other people, do you know what happens? It's strange they begin to share their life with you.